Today, you will connect with Dr. Fiona. G'day, Fiona. Hello. How are you? No, we'll, we'll be we'll be right today because we, Cheryl's unfortunately you're not feeling 100%. Yes, poor Cheryl. Get well. Get well soon. We want you to get well. Absolutely. Uh, in the meanwhile, though, um, apart from the, the calls that we know are coming in, there'll be a lot of talk about heat today. Look, you'd think so. Out there is pretty steamy. Um, certainly, um, I look forward to having a bit of a chat about the things that we do and don't do in weather like this with our pets. I guess the thing to think about with pets and hot weather is if you don't particularly want to stroll in the 35 degree heat, probably best not to take your pets there. The other thing to think about also is they don't have shoes. So their foot pads, if you were to walk down the middle of a road right now, you would probably burn your pets pads because as we all know, the concrete, the asphalt so hot and their foot pads are directly on that hot, um, hot surface. So definitely, you know, Cool of the day, early morning, late afternoon, evening, they're the times to be walking your pets with weather like this. It is so frustrating when the summer is out and like now and you actually see people doing this and, and you just think, I wouldn't want to be walking along with, with no shoes and socks on right now. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, if you are doing that, you're an idiot. <laughs> you are an idiot. Stop it immediately. Don't don't go and get heat stroke. Uh, and even more important also, um, these days there's lots more short-faced Breeds, things like um, pugs or French bulldogs, um, regular bulldogs, they just don't have the capacity in their airway to deal with the heat. So they find it even harder to cool down. So they're at a massive, massive risk of heat stroke, the shorter face dogs. Yeah, so they really have that handicap going in, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, we we use a bit of an analogy with um, the short face breeds is block your nose, block your nostrils halfway and then try and go for a run. Like you can't breathe. Mm, you can't do yeah. it. So you just have to be super mindful of their airways. And any dogs, you shouldn't be out in this this sort of weather, making sure they've got shade in the backyard, making sure they've got plenty of water, more than one source of water in case one gets toppled over. It's a big one. That is a huge one because, yes, you want to make sure that it, the water's in the shaded area as well. But, I mean, if they just get a bit, a bit excited after they've been chasing a butterfly around and run, <laughs> run and dunk, there's the water gone. Yeah. And if that's like 20 minutes after you've left for the day. On a day like today, that's a, re- a day like today, that's a real risk. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so a bit of not so fun in the sun there. G'day, John <laughs> at East Maitland. Uh, what's happening with your Siberian Husky, John? Hello there. Hi, John. Dr. Fiona, how are you? I'm well. How are you, John? Uh, I'm good. Um, Yeah, I've got a Siberian Husky, and she's just dragging a bum the last few uh, weeks or so. Yeah. I was just wondering whether, talking off air to the bloke there, he said it could be glands, but I thought it might have been worse. But she's had a next guard and all that, so. Excellent, excellent. Should I take her to the vet? Uh, Look, John, there is a bit of a, a thought A lot of people think if they're dragging their bottom that it's due to worms, but it's more often than not actually not due to that. Um, Was it Nexgard's factory you said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great product, great monthly product. Uh, If she's sort of scooting along, as you say, it is quite possibly her anal glands. And unless you know how to empty them, I would be taking a trip to your vet. No, I've got no idea. No, getting the experts to do it, it's um, not the most pleasant of jobs, but quick and easy and will definitely give her a lot of relief. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do that. I'll take it down. That's just here in East Maitland. Yeah, perfect. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I'm just a bit concerned. Yeah. yeah, look, if in doubt, that's why we're here. You know, give us yep. a call and see if we can help. Uh, listen to you every week, get a lot of it. 
uh, helpful advice. <laughs> good on you, John. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks very much. Have and a good jo- day. John, got to yeah. say, a magic-looking yeah. breed, the Siberian Husky, a magic-looking uh, breed there. She's a beautiful temperament and everything. You oh. wouldn't you wouldn't get a better dog, I don't think. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Every, every owner says that, I suppose. <laughs> good on you. Oh, not every, not every owner, John. Sometimes we get some really weird behavioural questions come through, but I... <laughs> <laughs> nah, she's been perfect. She's uh, five now and she's never had an ounce of trouble with her. Oh, very good. Enjoy and make sure she, you keep her out of the sun today. You can imagine if you could all say that about kids. Oh, my, five, my kid's five and have never had an ounce of trouble. No, you, come on, Fiona. You've got kids. Jump I, um, in. I will remain silent on that. All right, fair enough. <laughs> the kids, your kids aren't listening to you. You can that's, say whatever you that's like. That's true. That's true. In the meanwhile, Fiona, I'm taking your pet along to the vets. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, shall we say, an interesting experience. It can also be a stressful one. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a lot of the work that we do uh, in clinic is stressful for the pets. Mm. You know, I'll focus mainly on cats and dogs, um, but yeah, it's stressful for them. So. We try really hard and have a lot of techniques and uh, procedures involved that to try and minimise their stress. Um, a big one for cats in particular: um, don't just leave, don't leave your cat carrier in the shed for 363 days of the year and then pull it out on the one or two days a year, <laughs> yeah. covered in cobwebs, <clears throat> not a familiar smell. Shove the cat in there and expect them to be happy about it. Mm. Um, it can be really important to have that cat carrier somewhere in their normal environment, put a nice comfortable blanket in there, put it somewhere next to their favourite sleeping spots. They might choose to sleep on top of it. They might put the food bowls in it, you know, make it part of the normal furniture so that when they get placed in the cat carrier, they're not stressed out straight up. Yeah, it's not so abnormal. It's like, absolutely. How, what is this caged box that I'm being thrown into and yes. chucked in the car? Yes, absolutely. So make the cat carrier a really familiar, positive place to be. That's a that's a big one. Um, also, when you take your cat to the vet, you can, it can often help by covering the cage with a towel or something so that pets can't see what's going on. And then when you carry your cat carrier, they do have a beautiful little handle on the top but it's not helpful for the cat. You're actually much better to carry it like what we use the phrase, like a big delicate present. So sort of from two hands on the underneath of the carrier, so you're holding it nice and close to you so that it's not swinging around. <laughs> you don't, oops, sorry, cat bumped you on the doorway. Oops, sorry, cat bumped you on the chair. Or, or even so that like if, if the cat is like um, – sick in like a normal sense of the word sick. I'm having that inertia of being yeah. swinging around like yes. you're on a roller coaster in yes. Dreamworld. It's not going to help. No, it's really, really not going to help. It's not going to help them feel better and it's also not going to help their stress levels. Now, let's just imagine that you've taken your dog to the cat to the vet and for whatever reason there's been a, a painful experience because they've been in pain or they maybe have had to have a need or whatever it is. You fast forward a little bit and then the return trip, mm. they're going to associate uh, visiting folks like you, Fiona, as uh, not a fun time. Therefore, Definitely. they're going to be stressed out. What do we do there? Absolutely. Uh, we try – we're never above, never above bribery. So I'm a big fan of all sorts of doggy treats, barbecue chicken, cheese, um, liver, treat, liver treats, they're popular ones. So the dogs that are willing and able to – take food while they're at the vet's food is a big, big thing. The other thing, it does involve a little bit of work on the owner's behalf, but visiting the vet for a non, 
procedure, I guess, or a non-consult. So bringing the dog in, getting it to weigh on the scales, getting a pat from the nurse, even walking into the consult room and having a pat. So you create, and some food, so you're creating a visit that's not a negative experience. Now, I'm just going to put the shoe on the other foot here. There will be some that would hear that and go, well, hang on, you're just that's a way to drum up business. Uh, look, some some cheap, uh, a bit of, you know, some cheap drinking silver for you guys. Oh, look, you know, if they need if they need food, <laughs> if they need food or if they need worming products while yeah. they're there, go for it. But yeah. absolutely, mm. for us and for the pet, it makes our lives so much easier mm. if we have a happy patient than mm. a stressed patient. So we'll do whatever we can to uh, minimise their stress. Um, yeah, so regular vet visits that are not painful, lots of treats, lots of pats from the nurses mm. uh, and lots of our handling techniques as well are designed to minimise stress. So what we're trying to do is um, uh, kind of shuffle that pain experience into the into the deck of cards with, well, yeah, we came here, it was painful, but we also came and got some really cool absolutely. food and, and uh, everybody looked after us and yes. thought we were the best thing going. Yes, absolutely. That's... that's um. That's a big one. Uh, and look for those patients that no matter what we try and no matter what the owners try are still pretty anxious and stressed, sometimes aggressive. Um, we can call on medication if we need to. Um, so often that's much more effective when given as a tablet or a capsule at home before the visit, so before they start getting stressed out and then we get really good relaxation and uh, anti-anxiety and that makes it less stressful for us, less stressful for the patient, less stressful for the owner and everyone leaves happy at the end of the day. So for those circumstances, it's kind of, of knowing your pet, knowing what is likely to happen and sort of getting on the front for a little bit here. Absolutely and recognising that having a really highly stressed pet at the vet is not normal and is not okay if there's something that we can do to help because at the end of the day, we just want to minimise their stress and minimise their pain. And if they're happy to come to the vets, the statistics say that they are in better health overall because their owners are keen and proactive about vet care rather than waiting till things are really bad mm. to having to take their pet in. And if you're not on the front foot with this, I mean, it's bad next time, bad at the time after. You just become the whole thing becomes a victim of momentum, doesn't it? Absolutely. And then you get a patient who's can be unhandleable sometimes um, because they're just poor things, just so stressed. Four nine two one six two one six. Good day, Mick. Uh, you have a couple of bull mastiffs, and you want a question about that? What's happening, Mick? Yeah. Good afternoon. Um, I've got a brother and sister. Yeah. They're both fairly healthy. Um, the big fellow was born with a heart murmur, but he's we've had him uh, to Sydney after when he was twelve months old, and. Uh, they said he's all right, but mm -hmm. they, they're actually ripping up the lawn after they eat some afternoons. We're on a few acres, which it, it's not a big problem, but I'm just wondering if it is a problem. Sure. So ripping it up as in eating it or ripping it yeah. up as in digging uh, it? Eating it. Just grab a mouthful here and there, and I just wondered why they'd be doing that. Okay. Not every day, or it's just... You know, they might do it for two or three days and they don't do it and then it comes back again. Okay. Have they always done that, Mick, or is that a new thing? No, oh, they, they did do it for a while once before, mm -hmm. but we never really worried about it because it was out in the paddock and now they've started to do it again, so I just wondered, okay. is there a reason? Are there any vomiting that's occurring with the eating of the grass? No, nothing. No, no. okay. Look, on the whole... Sometimes dogs eat grass because they feel unwell. 
But other times dogs eat grass because they like the texture of it, they like the feel of it, they're a little bit bored, it's something different, they've learnt the behaviour. So there's lots of other reasons that dogs will eat grass and they're not necessarily um, things that need intervention. Um, I would say if they're otherwise healthy Mick and they're not vomiting and they're eating well, it may well be just a bit of a new habit that they've picked up. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good. But uh, if you're noticing any sort of ongoing issues or you think we're having continual vomiting or we're having dogs that aren't eating their dinners, those sorts of things, then yes, I'd seek veterinary advice. Nah, they're all pretty good. We've got a dam on the property and they actually go in and rip the reeds out. They'll put their head under the water and rip them out by the roots and eat the roots of those as well. Maybe they taste good. I'm not have yeah. no personal experience on that one, Mick. <laughs> no, no, I think it is because, you know, if one gets one, the other one tries to get it off it. So I think it's just a good tasting. And probably a learnt behaviour from between the two of them as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. No worries. Take care. Thanks, Mick. Thank you so much, Mick. I've got to say, Fiona, all of those reasons you listed for the dogs eating grass, I'm the same with ice cream. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes. Like I, the texture, I, the taste, learned behaviour, yes. bored, usually. All, all applicable. Yes, you are right. We can substitute grass for ice cream, yeah. but I can't recommend that. I meant for the people. For people, yes. Yes, I mean, um, yes, I. You know, I'm not out there feeding dogs ice cream. <laughs> no, come on. Oh, stick look, with it would girl. it would probably surprise you how many times we hear of pets feeding their dogs McDonald's soft serves. Again, can't recommend that. Yeah, uh, one quick one without notice. The worst food that you've seen someone feeding their animal off the top of your head. Seen or heard of? Heard of? I can Dealers, give you much better answers. Choice. Okay, heard. Uh, well, there's there's not the worst, but I often, you know, you get the prawns and the caviar and the mm. salmon and the eye fillet steak and all sorts of things. Uh, a relatively common one that I do cringe at is basically anything on a takeaway menu that's <laughs> high in sugar and salt and fat and, yeah, all save those for, good things. Save for the owners, to Yes, be absolutely, absolutely just as applicable. All right, in the Maitland area, Chisholm, g'day, Lynn, your 10-year-old Maltese cross is, uh, is a little bit bound up, shall we say, Lynn? I think that might be right, yes. Tell me more, Lynn. Um, look, he's pretty regular. Uh, he goes and does, you know, a good-looking poo at least twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, he didn't do anything at all. And when I took him out for a walk, he tried, but nothing happened. Okay. Um, and he still hasn't been today so far. Okay. Have you fed him any bones or anything different in the last couple of days? No. No, he's had his regular um, meal in the... Uh, last night and and the night before, yeah. Okay. Uh, and he's been drinking normally and eating normally? Yes, yep. yes. Okay. Um, obviously, a lot of further information would be available on an examination, but if, yeah. if you just sort of want to try something um, at home, when did you say the last time he pooed, sorry, was, Lynn? Um, what's today? Okay, it Sorry, Sorry, what was that, Lynn? We lost you there, Lynn. Um, um, Monday. Monday morning or evening? Uh, Morning and evening. Okay, so Monday evening was the last poo. Okay. Um, So simple things you can try at home are increasing hydration. Okay, so making sure he's having lots of water, uh, making sure that he has regular exercise, there could be, I mean, there could be a number of medical issues going on. Um, 
trying to increase fibre um, can be another quick and easy and simple thing to try. Uh, I like to recommend psyllium husks to clients. You can add that with meals. But I would say, Lynn, you've probably got a 24-hour window. If nothing much is happening, then I would absolutely be getting him to the vet. Okay. All right. So I'll see what happens uh, today. And then if nothing happens, I'll book an appointment with the vet. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea, Lynn. Best of luck. I know, Fiona, you are ready to add a little special something to somebody's home because a new dog or a cat of the week, maybe. Yes, just looking at the dog of it, dog and cat of the week. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah, look, Nacho, five-year-old French bulldog, um, loves a uh, loves lazily napping around. Unless, of course, you're up for a bit of a game, uh, a fetch or tug with him as well. Uh, an amazing companion, house trained, so that's always good. Travels well, again, always good. Um, adores the beach and loves going for a bit of a swim. Um, can be a bit tricky around new folks at home, but once he's got the hang of you, he might be okay. So not really the sort of home where there's a lot of new people coming in and out, Fiona, for this little fella. Definitely not. I think this guy, you know, in the right home would absolutely thrive, but does, uh, from the information that we've got about him, needs a bit of time and space getting used to people and other pets. So he would definitely need a quieter home, best with no kids, uh, and definitely some some loving adults that can give him a bit of patience and time and and I'm sure he would come out of his shell a bit. But, yeah, just just not a dog that wants to say hello to everybody. Yeah, particularly if you're doing the rundown to the hardware store on the weekend. He apparently loves all that sort of stuff, but just to make sure you know, the strangers aren't trying to pat him. So Yeah, yeah, just, just taking it slowly. And then obviously being a French bulldog, what we call a brachycephalic breed, so really short in the face, we've got those sort of breathing um, related issues he does look reason he does look like he's got reasonable confirmation for a brachycephalic but uh, as we talked about earlier today just days like this you've got to be super careful with them yeah him having a walk at, at high noon today is probably not the go <laughs> definitely not right that's nacho um, we move on to our cat of the week and this time around we have Aussie loves playing with the siblings. Uh, loves his food. Oh, that's after my own heart, is young Aussie. Um, does love a bit of attention once he feels safe with you there. Uh, looking for a home with a bit of time and a patience just to let him settle in and come out of his shell a little bit. Um, he's enjoying the treats, no surprise there. Um, and he'll uh, pop his head in the bag to help himself. So yes. <laughs> he's obviously a quick learner. Decided where he knows where the food comes from. And if you're not quick enough to give it, he'll go get it himself. Uh, seems like inside is the go for him. Uh, maybe semi quiet with a sibling would be okay, uh, but essentially uh, a personal family to give him that time he needs to settle in. And uh, they've basically lived inside their whole – him and his mum lived inside the whole life, so definitely yeah. house cats. Yeah, tough tough start for little Aussie. Uh, and, again, similar to Nacho, I think a, a special home for him. Um, you know, there'd be plenty of people that would be suitable, uh, suitable owners for Aussie. Again, not a busy, loud household, lots of people coming and going, lots of pets. Mm. That's probably not – not the ideal home for Aussie, but if you're interested in a cat, head on over. He's super cute. That's our Dog and Cat of the Week. You can check it out at the Pet Chat page at uh, 2NURFM.com.au. A couple of minutes left if you'd like, uh, Dr Fiona, to uh, sort your pet out, whether it's your dog, cat, pet snake. In one fell swoop. Yeah, pet hubby. It doesn't matter what it is. She'll get you sorted on uh, 2NURFM 103.7. Fiona, we know that a couple of days from now at school holidays. School holidays. Which the kids go, yay, the the parents go, ugh, <laughs> maybe. Look, you know, I'm actually really looking forward to these holidays. 
Um, time for a break. Again, yep. I say to you again, your kids aren't listening to you. You can say <laughs> what you like. Um, but a couple well, of we've got a week off. I've got a week off as well. So, so that's exciting. That's always exciting. <laughs> um, having said that, uh, things to keep in mind in terms of our pets with the holidays on the way? Absolutely. Um, don't forget to organise something for your pets if you're going away. Uh, I often find we have guinea pigs at home and I often find I do actually forget about the poor piggies in trying to organise someone to look after them. Don't you worry, they're never left by themselves. Um, but, yeah, just making sure the pets are accounted for, that you've got people looking after them and probably most importantly, if you've got people coming to the house, that you actually leave instructions for what they have to do and what they don't have to do and what, you know, what to feed them, what not to feed them. Um, and yeah, kennel, I mean, any sort of cattery or kennel facilities should a hundred percent be asking for vaccination certificates to make sure that there's minimal risk of any animal going in and sort of spreading illness. So that's a, that's a biggie. So in other words, just the more information you can give whoever's looking after the animals for you, the better off. Absolutely. And then it's less disruptive for the pets as well. Um, you know, if you're having someone come to stay, making sure that, if possible, you've had a meet and greet with the pets and so you know what they're like and the pets have a chance to, to meet them and, and uh, sort of break that ice while the owners are still present rather than waiting till they're away. All right. So some advice there, particularly if you're uh, having some time off work and school and everything else. Look, Fiona, we're pretty much run out of time, so we'll, we'll let you get out of here. Good on you. As Thanks always, for today. No, no worries, Dr. Fiona. I think you're here next week as well. I am maybe. backing up, yes. All right, maybe Cheryl will be back with you as well next week as another Pet Chat wraps up. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>